is the huddle. This is what we do. Every Thursday from noon to two, presented by Bickford Ford. The huddle. Welcome into the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross getting you guys ready for a Monday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Seattle Seahawks, Dave and Jake, coming off a nice little win against the Arizona Cardinals, helping them in the NFC West. And not only that, helping kind of uh, improve your confidence about this defense. Dave, that was by far the best performance I've seen from this defense. What did you see specifically where you felt like they either corrected something or took a nice little step forward? Funny you should ask. Um, (laughs) I just did a little football 101 thing downstairs talking about attacking the perimeter and attacking blockers and those kinds of little things. I think that's what makes it sustainable. And last week when Jake, I'm sure he still is on fire, but last (laughs) week when Jake was particularly on fire, he pointed out that, you know, the San Francisco game, and I think that's what people would hold out there is, okay, well, they did it against San Francisco, and then they went back and had Buffalo... You know, and air, well, it was the Rams after that, I guess. But in the second half of the Rams, they started to repair. They only gave up 115 yards, I think, in that second half and just six points. Yep. And the reason why is because I felt like they attacked blockers much better. Um, they played the outside better. And so there's just these little things that are happening now. And, you know, we heard the whole thing about the meeting with the accountability which at first I was like, oh, what took so long? But, you know, that's how I felt. Yeah, but I mean, but there's lots of guys coming together, and, you know, sometimes you, you coach a certain way, and then you figure out how do these guys learn? You know, how, what's the best way to do it? And so I'm hoping this is something that, if it's that much of a revelation, I think that they can do it again. That's what makes me think that. The other thing is, you know, you're starting to get the cavalry coming back, you know, as far as health, Shaquille coming back, um, and guys just stringing starts together. Like Jamal Adams had, what, two and three quarters games. Then he missed like six weeks, and now he's back. This is like his third or fourth week. So uh, those kinds of things. But look, you know, I think it's fair if you're a Seahawk fan to go, okay, well, I I need to see it again from the defense, right? Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like I was – encouraged by what I saw in that it was a fun game to watch and for the first time all season it felt like your defense was part of the reason you won and it wasn't a balanced game uh, against a weak opponent the way they were against the 49ers it was a balanced game against a strong opponent against currently uh, a wild card playoff team Um, but I need to see more I agree with you it's and, and that's not to slight this team it's just to say you've had You've had nine plus weeks of struggling play, uh, and then you've had a game against the Arizona Cardinals, and I'll throw in the second half against the Rams, where yep. where you played pretty well. And I need to see more of it. I will say one thing encouraging about it: looking at some of these stats, uh, and uh, this is for for both you and Jake. Jake, I'll let you go first here. I think it was most encouraging to see some of the guys that were involved. DJ Reed, I was worried about what the secondary would look like. He finishes the game with eleven tackles, had a pass defense, really nice game for him. That pass defense, by the way. Uh, one of those, uh, he and Quandre Diggs were involved in some targets in the end zone, which was really nice to see. Uh, KJ Wright blowing up screens left and right, containing Russell, Will- or uh, excuse me, containing Kyler Murray. A fantastic game by him. Who impressed you most on defense, Jake? Mm. It's really hard because there there are a couple of really standout performances. You just do uh, it, Mister. In my mind. <laughs> okay, Dave. Geez, if you're saying so, I mean, Stacey, I, we can go back and forth. I can't mess with you, Dave. Um, for 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 me, for me, the guy who stands out head and shoulders on defense was Carlos Dunlap. Yeah. I, I just think his his. 
performance was outstanding, but more importantly, I think that his energy and his and his just how much fun he is having, uh, you could just see it kind of you know permeating throughout the the team and the defensive line and and the the way everybody was hustling around. I just thought I just think Dun- Dunlap is providing a spark that that maybe we didn't have any idea that he would he would be able to bring to this team. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. I mean, uh, to me, it's been DJ Reed, uh, him and Ugo Amadi. I think are are the the two guys that have kind of been the the solid spark. And think about this. I mean, I don't think anybody was really uh, Marquise Blair beat out Ugo Amadi for the nickel spot, but he was making plays out there during camp. And so, but I was just so fixated on Marquise Blair because he plays so much better, and then he gets hurt. So, but Ugo's starting to come along. I always mention this too i like the little guys the little guys in the nfl that the can guys do that it. play bigger than they are yeah i mean it's easy if you are built and you know you look like dk metcalf right but if you're you know five eight and a half like he is i just i think his explosiveness i'm just very impressed by the way he is attacking uh tackles and blockers and then dj reed i mean that guy's gonna bust one for a touchdown at, at some point. That, that he, guy's got wheels. Doesn't he? I mean, his explosion, and I don't know what his 40 time is, and I don't really care because this guy's got field speed. You know, some of these guys that can run a 4-3, they don't play a, at 4-3 level. This guy plays faster than he runs, so it's I'm sure what his time is. But um, he, he's been a really good surprise. But yeah. more than anything, it's just all of them coming together, right, Jake? I mean, that's, that's more of a, a value than having a bunch of superstars out there. It is. It's a huge value. And, and Pete Carroll talked about the the need for communication and how the communication stepped up this last week. And, and talking about that communication, Dave, I, I'm curious. You, you, you talk about DJ Reed. Shaquille Griffin, it sounds like he is going to be coming back. All, all signs are pointed to nothing but good there. What do they do at yep. that other position? Do they – I'm having a really hard time with this. Do they start – Trey Flowers, they start DJ Reed. I mean, you know, Trey came off a pretty good game against um, against uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm trying to figure out if that was more of the the game plan th- than the performance. I, I don't want to take anything a read uh, away from Flowers because I, I thought he did uh, uh, well the other night, last Thursday night. But DJ Reed seems to be that spark for this team. Um, yeah. w- what would you do, Dave? That's a great question because, you know, you want to get him on the field right now. I mean, again, first or second in tackles the last four weeks. Um, you mentioned, what, 11 tackles last week, Stacy. Yep. Um, and then, you know, okay, so maybe you slide him down to nickel corner if you're going to bring back Shaquille. And are you going to – what about Trey? Trey's playing well. He is right now. I mean, Pete said – I know he blew that first coverage against Buffalo, at least I think he did. It looked like it, all signs led to yes. And then Pete said he had one of his best technical games in, in that Buffalo game. He played well the other night. He had a bad missed tackle uh, uh, on DeAndre Hopkins. If he doesn't miss that tackle, it's probably DeAndre Hopkins has, what, 20, 30 yards instead of 50? So, I mean, and they put him out there. So I, and now all of a sudden it's crowded, but... That's exactly what you want, you know. You we, you want to sit there and go, man, who do we start here? Because we got a couple of choices. For a while there, it was like, well, we might have to, you know, throw somebody out there, like they did with DJ Reed in the bad. beginning, you know, and and he performed, but still, it's it's kind of a it's a risk, you know, if you don't have enough talent. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think right now, DJ Reed, though, he deserves to be on the field no matter what. The huddle is presented by Bickford for Dave Wyman. Jay Keep, Stacey Ross here with you, recapping that win against the Arizona Cardinals before we look ahead to the Eagles. One name we haven't talked about yet, which made the biggest play of the day, it felt like, at the very end of regulation with 38 seconds left. He had a sack of Kyler Murray. Uh, it's Carlos Dunlap. He finished the day with four combined tackles, two sacks, uh, three quarterback hits. They managed to get pressure on Kyler Murray in a way that they hadn't before. Dave, it's easy to just on its face look at that trade and say, yeah, that clearly worked out, but just how important has he become for this defense? Well, three sacks in three games, and he's the all-time leading sack artist in Cincinnati history. It's hard to believe. I mean, think about that, and I think it was 82 and a half is what he had, and I was looking at the the active players there. It doesn't look like anybody's going to catch him anytime soon, so I just think he's one of those guys that's really talented that you just kind of never paid attention to because he was in Cincinnati. So, I, look, I've seen him make one mistake where he tried to go underneath the block, but he went underneath the block in Buffalo and made a tackle for a six-yard loss. So, And then, you know, I don't know what they were thinking because it was a three-man rush and maybe they got confused, but for some reason Dunbar was singled. So, and he just beat the guy around the corner. But I've seen him do that. I've seen him put, a, you know, like a rip move. I've seen him bull rush. I've seen him do, he, nice he can do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's really important right now. But, you know, look, you can't get those sacks if there's not coverage downfield. And once that is, it looks like it's starting to work better. You know, they did a really good job of coordinating their pass rush with their pass coverage. All right. We got three Seahawks in danger of missing Monday night and three Seahawks coming back. We'll ask John Boyle about it next. This is the Huddle, Huddle. presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now, John Boyle of Seahawks.com. John, how are you? I am doing well. How about you guys? Good. Getting ready for uh, not just Thanksgiving weekend, but also Monday night football game between the Hawks and Eagles. Um, for I'm not going to put you on the spot about a conversation Jake and I were having about green bean casserole and stuffing being incredibly polarizing dishes. That's for a, a later conversation. Uh, but Well, boy, food <laughs> takes already, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's never too early, John. Before we do, I want to take a look at some of the Seahawks that are coming back for Monday night. Uh, we've got Chris Carson, Ethan Posick, and Shaquille Griffin, correct? That is what we heard from Pete Carroll. You know, there's going to be a bunch of question marks going in the week, but yeah, all three of those guys made it back for that bonus practice yesterday. So obviously encouraging to get back players of that caliber. Hey, John, we were talking about DJ Reed and what you do with him. We, we uh, had him on our show last week. He's just a fantastic kid. What a story. I mean, he gets to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. They cut him, and he's been either one or first or second in tackles the last four weeks, but now you're getting healthy in the defensive backfield. Seems like they got to get him on the field. I would think they're going to find ways to. I mean, as you said, just a great story. When the Seahawks made that claim on him, you kind of figure it's a – stash him away for 2021 kind of thing because he's injured and now he's been your nickel and a starting outside corner already for you and oh hey he's returning kickoffs and looking pretty good back there too so uh for starters you know Pete Carroll said he's going to keep returning kicks so that's one way they'll use him but I gotta think you know whether it's letting him compete with Ugo Amadi for the nickel spot or you know I, I don't know what happens with outside jobs but you'd think that those are probably settled with Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin when Griffin is back but yeah I, I don't know how you keep keep D.J. Reed off the field the way he's been playing. 
John, what has Carlos Dunlap's impact been like on that team? Uh, it just, you know, not just on the field, but, you know, kind of as a teammate, it seems like he has been, you know, more than what they were even anticipating in terms of, you know, grabbing him from the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just personality-wise, we see it in the press conferences, and then you know you hear it from Pete Carroll and his teammates. He's a fun guy to be around. He's loving this kind of change of scenery and a chance late in his career to play for a Super Bowl contending team. And then on the field, it's you know obviously three and a half sacks is great, but it's what he's doing for that whole defense. I mean, it's not a coincidence that the team sack numbers are up. That Jaron Reed looks as good as he has all season that you know lj collier is making plays it's when you have that elite edge pass rush pass rusher it kind of frees things up for everybody else and he's you know it's early still but he has been a great acquisition so far john the seahawks have a chance to really get things rolling here with this four-game stretch against some struggling teams when you look specifically at the eagles and how they match up that offense against the seahawks defense what kind of opportunities are there for the defense I mean, for starters, I, I would love to see the defense get back to getting some takeaways. I mean, they, for, for a long stretch early in the year, they're getting a lot of turnovers. And, you know, they've shown some improvement in a lot of other areas, but that's cooled off a little bit. And, you know, look, Carson Wentz is still dangerous. I know he's been struggling, but he can make some big throws. He can run. He can hurt you. But he's also turned the ball over a lot. So, you know, to me, there's opportunity there. And I just think overall, this stretch of games, you know, you can't take any NFL team lightly, but if ever there's a chance for this defense to kind of build off an encouraging game and a half that they've that they're coming off of against the Rams and, and the Cardinals, I think this stretch could give that defense a chance to, to really galvanize itself and, and get good for the home stretch. John, what do we uh, what do we make of Trey Flowers? I, I hear from Pete and look, he held um, DeAndre Hopkins to 50 yards. Uh, we talked about the one missed tackle he had, but, you know, he, uh, by my eye, he's playing pretty well, but I feel like he's one of those guys. And look, corner, I mean, it's it's glaring when you make a mistake, whereas, you know, if you're a linebacker, it's not as obvious. But Pete said he's been speaking very highly of him and said in the Buffalo game he had one of his best technically games uh, as far as his technique. What do we? How do we rate? Yeah, um, Trey Flowers this year. I think he's improved a lot over the last few games. I mean, look, there were some struggles early in the year, and it wasn't just him. Obviously, the whole defense in the secondary was having a tough time, and you know, fans were getting down on him. And then when they need him to step up with Dunbar hurt, and then also with uh, with Griffin getting hurt, where you need to lean on Trey Flowers. He's he's played some of his best football these last few weeks. And to your point, at, at that position's tough where you can play a pretty solid game for three and a half quarters, and if you make a couple mistakes, that's all anybody's going to remember. But to your point, other than the, the missed tackle on that one open field chance he had, he played really well last week. Pete Carroll's been really high on him because he has shown a lot of growth, and it's a really good sign that you have a young, you know, still-learning cornerback shown that improvement and he could be a guy that really helps you down the stretch here especially with with Dunbar dealing with that injury John is this the year that we see Tyler Lockett uh, added as a pro bowler for a receiver he's been to the pro bowl before but it was as a special teamer could could this be the first year that we see Tyler Lockett into the pro bowl as a receiver I hope so, but it's hard when you have a teammate doing what DK Metcalf is doing because, look, it's rare for any team to put two receivers on one Pro Bowl roster, and right now DK Metcalf is rightly getting a lot of the attention with the big numbers he's putting up, the touchdowns. 
Tyler Lockett's been phenomenal. He, he's got a good chance to set some franchise records this year for receptions, and he and DK Metcalf will both threaten the franchise record for receiving yards. So he is definitely deserving of a Pro Bowl nod for sure. I just I, I kind of wonder if if only one of the two of them gets it, if Metcalf will kind of steal it from. Uh, regular listeners to the huddle have also noticed, John, uh, that you've been gone on paternity leave. So you guys have welcomed a new family member. We want to say congratulations on that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. of course. If I, sound, if I sound unintelligent, blame the lack of sleep. <laughs> Tired. No, we're really, really happy for you guys. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, we, we do thank miss you. you. We're glad to finally have you back. Um, I want to just uh, take a look at some of the guys uh, that, they, that they might be missing here. Um, you've got Quentin Dunbar on IR. It sounds like Bo Scarborough is going to have surgery. Travis Homer maybe getting his wrist look at. Is there a guy, uh, you know, Brandon Shell also include him, uh, dealing with an injury uh, that that has a good chance to return maybe after Monday? Um, yeah, I mean, I just going off what Pete Carroll said, I mean, we know the guys that they're expecting back. If Shell can't play, you know, we don't know the high ankle sprain can always take a while, but if he can't play, you would hope he's back soon because he's been you know, one of their best quiet offseason acquisitions. He, he looks so good. So he'd be the one I'd be most concerned about come back. And then, you know, in terms of coming back to practice, they wouldn't play in a game next week, but you're also keeping an eye on Daryl Taylor and Rashad Penny, obviously two guys you, you know, hope can start practicing soon. And if they can, then maybe guys who can add a little something to your, to your team in December. Hey, John, I, I, I can't believe we haven't brought this guy up yet. How about Damian Lewis? Uh, we, yeah. He starts off the game. When did they, first of all, my question is, when did they tell him officially that he was going to be the starting center? And then, you know, his performance after a couple of rough plays in the very beginning, including giving up a sack, and the holding penalty was totally bogus. And then there was a fumbled snap. But then, I mean, from everything you hear from Pete, the, is that he just had an amazing game at center, which he hasn't played before. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure when exactly they told him they were going with that, but with a short week, you got to think of something. They made that decision early in the week, and Pete Carroll said they had tried it a tiny bit the week before, so it was at least an idea they were considering, knowing that Kyle Fuller had that ankle injury and Postic was dealing with the concussion. But, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't perfect by any means. You you outlined some of the, the mistakes that happened. But for a rookie who, you know, it's not like he was a center in college and moved to guard in the NFL. This is a guy who really never played center. For a rookie to do that and for the offense to function pretty well in a big game like that, I mean, that's just another thing that shows how impressive of a rookie he's been. I just keep going back to, you know, when they drafted him, Pete Carroll talked about that relationship he had with Ed Ogeron over at LSU and, you know, how much that Coach O raved about him, and we're seeing it for so many reasons. He's just been a phenomenal draft pick for to get him in the third round for everything he's done. He is Seahawks reporter John Boyle. Seahawks fans, if you're not following him on Twitter already, I don't know what you're doing. Go give him a follow at John P. Boyle and read his stuff at Seahawks.com. He'll join us every week for the huddle. Thanks, John. Thanks. And, then, you know, people do that now. It's mostly going to be baby pictures, but it'll That's get okay. back to football here later <laughs> in the week. You know what? We're Congrats, fine with man. both. Thanks. Yep. Have a good Congrats, Thanksgiving. Congrats, John. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, we're going to take a step across enemy lines, taking a look at the Philadelphia Eagles with NBC Sports reporter Ruben Frank. That's next. This is The Huddle, Huddle. presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. 
All right, welcome back into the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Eves, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now, guys, we're stepping across enemy lines for an opponent preview with NBC Sports Philadelphia's uh, Ruben Frank. Ruben, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. I mean, my first question is the one you've been getting all year, and there's no easy way to answer it. So I guess I'll try to narrow it down with um, what have you seen as maybe one of the one or two biggest issues with with Carson Wentz this year? Because he has just not been the same player we're used to seeing over here on the West Coast. Yeah, not remotely the same player. Um, kind of an unpre- unprecedented decline that we've seen from him for a guy who played at such a high level the first four years of his career. Um, I think there's um, physically he's fine. Uh, he's, his arm is fine. His footwork, his mechanics, that's all fine. Really, the one issue is his decision making, his his pocket awareness, his locking onto one receiver and and uh, not looking guys off, um, not going through his progressions, holding onto the ball too long, um, throwing to the wrong guy, throwing it to triple coverage. Um, it's been really strange to see all the things that he was really good at for four years, been really bad at. And uh, it's it's funny. I'm just looking up, like trying to find a precedent for a quarterback with his experience who's had a decline like this and you just can't find one. So it's, uh, it's pretty shocking and six games left to, to try to figure it out. Ruben, two part question, uh, real quick one first. Are they still piping in booze at the stadium there in Philly? And I mean, B O O S not Z. And then, um, I mean, he's been hit 40 times. I mean, how much of that is getting to him? It's, it's more than anybody in the NFL. He's been sacked 40 times. Uh, I would guess probably at least half of them are on him. Uh, the O-line hasn't been great, but, uh, you know, he's he's holding on to the ball so long. He's just standing there. He's a sitting duck. Uh, um, he, he just doesn't have any decisiveness. So uh, I don't think he's gotten great protection, but certainly when you look at the number, 40 sacks, I think he's on pace to be the fourth most sacked quarterback in history behind um David Carr twice and Randall Cunningham in his rookie year when the Eagles gave up 110 sacks, an NFL record that will never be, never be approached. Uh, but uh, it's uh, has it had a cumulative effect? Maybe. And and you know he had a concussion that ended last year. Right. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about that. Sometimes these things linger and and have long term effects. Even if a guy gets cleared through the protocol, um, you know he had a. a Tore his ACL in 17, had a, a back injury in 18 that ended the season. So, been a lot of injuries, a lot of cumulative things on his body. Um, I think with anything, it's not one thing. I think it's probably the, the, the O line, the receivers haven't been great, the running game has been up and down, the play calling has been pretty shaky from Doug Peterson, who's usually pretty good at it. Um, and he's just missing guys. So, it, it's really been a lot of things, and that makes it, I think it, makes it a much tougher thing to fix. Ruben, uh, for all the dysfunction that's kind of gone on on the offensive side of the ball, the defense has played relatively well. I mean, they haven't been uh, outstanding, don't get me wrong, but they, they've played well. I mean, they play tough. Um, and from what I see on film, you know, they're, they're a tough out. Uh, what has that disconnect been like between the offense and defense side of the ball? Yeah, they've been okay. They they haven't faced a lot of good quarterbacks, so they faced a lot of backups. I mean, two of their three wins are against backups. The other one's against Daniel Jones, who ended up beating him a couple of weeks later. So, yeah, they're 10th in, in the league in defense. They're 6th in pass defense. 
think they're getting the most out of what they have. They don't have a lot of really good players on defense. Malcolm Jenkins is gone. Fletcher Cox really isn't the, the same player he used to be. So they're, you know, they haven't given up a lot of long drives. A lot of the touchdowns against them have been short fields because all the turnovers that the offense has had. Um, so, you know, you, you don't get name call. You don't get finger pointing around here. That's one good thing about Doug Peterson. They, um, they, they, they stay together as a team. Um, so there hasn't been any of that. Uh, I, I think the defense, I'm, I'm not sure you'll be asking how well the defense is played at around midnight Eastern on, on Monday night or Tuesday morning because um, that's a challenge. That, that's, you know, that's something they, they haven't really faced. It, when they faced real quarterbacks like Roethlisberger and, and Lamar Jackson, um, they, they haven't been a great defense. So we'll, we'll see how they do against Russell. Uh, one of the big questions that's going to be lingering over this team, and I'm sure you've discussed it at length, is whether or not they're going to switch to Jalen Hurts, do a quarterback switch. Peterson's been hesitant, and you kind of, he's made a lot of mistakes, but you feel for the weird spot he's in. Um, do you expect them to make that switch at all this season? I know they're tied to Carson money wise. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I think Doug is, is he, he's a guy that's very loyal to his players, he doesn't bench guys. He doesn't. They don't cut guys. He, he doesn't do that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not sure how ready Jalen Hurts is without without OTAs and spring camps, and you know he doesn't get reps with the ones because Carson needs all the reps he can get right now. Uh, he's thrown two passes this year. Didn't have a preseason games. Um, I thought he looked pretty good in training camp. Um, he throws the ball better than I expected, uh, but as far as really understanding the you know, defenses and what they're trying to do. I just don't think he's ready. So my guess is no. I think the one thing you might see is if, if there's a, a, a game where they're down 33-6 to six early in the third quarter, halftime or something, I could see him going to Hurts just to say we, we needed to get Carson out of there, keep him healthy, game was out of hand, let's see what the kid can do. But as far as – and then go back to Carson the next week. But as far as benching him, you know, it, I think Doug knows that – this team's future depends on Carson Wentz. And uh, I think that their approach is we have to do everything we can to get him right. Um, and, and, and and not playing him isn't going to help. I think there's value in in letting a quarterback, no matter how experienced or accomplished he is, uh, step back for a week and, and get a different view and catch his breath and get away from it and you know just kind of see the game from a different perspective and then go back the next week. But it just doesn't look like Doug's uh, on the verge of doing that. Hey, Ruben, it looks like Miles Sanders having a really good game, and uh, I saw Doug Peterson was praising him a little bit. Other than him, he's got, what, 700 yards of total offense. Uh, who, who are some of the the sort of unsung heroes or the, the people or player that, uh, that the fans in Philadelphia actually like? Yeah, that's really funny that you asked that because we were trying to come up with a, a list of 10 players, <laughs> my colleague Dave and I, of 10 players that the fans don't hate right now. <laughs> we, we got stuck like right around seven. We started adding the long snapper Max and out. the punter. Yeah. Um, Alex Singleton is a young linebacker who played in the CFL for a few years uh, who's been really good. Uh, he was on the practice squad, and, and he's been starting because of injuries. He's probably been their best defensive player, Brandon Graham is having probably the best year of his career in year number 11. Um, Jason Kelsey, he's going to start his 100th straight game at center on Monday night. 
Um, th- those are some of the guys. Miles, Boston Scott, who's the backup running back, who's really good. Little, he's like five six, and he's a really good little back. Had a fifty six yard touchdown a couple weeks ago against the Giants. Um, th- those are some of the guys. But I'll tell you what, it's a short list. <laughs> Travis Fogum is a young receiver they got from from uh, on the waiver wire from the Packers, um, who was drafted by the Lions last year, never played. Um, he he's had some really big games. He had one hundred fifty yards in one game. It's the night in his second career game here. Um, so he's been pretty good, but other than that, it's slim pickings. They they don't have a lot of guys having good years. Yeah. Ruben, where where is this organization right now? Because it, it's really hard to pick where they're at. Are they are they going to continue to keep rolling out the same group? I mean, they're committed to a bunch of older veteran players for for a little while. Um, uh, or or do you think that this is kind of the last season where they're going to try and maybe shake things up and and kind of start from scratch again where do you think the eagles currently sit as a franchise yeah it's a great question i think every super bowl team kind of grapples with that like when do you when do you move on from the nucleus that won you a a super bowl and i think that's where they are now Uh, a lot of those guys uh, from that 2017 super bowl team just aren't very good anymore and they're older obviously they're uh, you get you, you could be in your prime at 28 and three years later you washed up at 31 and 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 I think, like we said earlier, Doug's just kind of really overly loyal to those guys. And you look at Jason Peters and Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and Roddy McLeod and, you know, that, that whole, you know, Fletcher Cox, that whole group, um, Zach Ertz, they're all in their early 30s. They're all not playing at, at the level that we're used to seeing. And they all, most for the most part, have big contracts. And the organization's really loyal to them. And I, I think they're at the point where they're going to have to make a decision after the season that you know, we've got to move on from that whole group. And the problem with that is they haven't drafted well enough to replace those guys. So they're going to be really bad until they can get enough good young players in here uh, to replace them. And, you know, it's the same thing the Phillies went through after they won the World Series. They had this whole nucleus with Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard and Chase Utley, and they just kind of – the fans like those guys and they come out to the games to see them, but they just weren't that good anymore. And at some point you just got to move on, get young and, you know, draft well, bring in, you know, players who might be learning, might not be as good as the veterans, but at least have an upside. And I think that's the point they're going to find themselves at when the season uh, mercifully ends in, in a couple months. <laughs> he is Ruben Frank of NBC Sports Philadelphia. Amazing insight. We, we loved this interview. Thanks so much, Ruben. Mercifully ends. Coming up with a list of players that fans don't hate. I liked it. (laughs) Honesty. It was awesome. All right. Who fills in for Brandon Schell if he can't play Monday night? We'll ask Ray Roberts next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross joining us right now. We're going in the trenches with former offensive lineman, current host of the Seahawks pre and post game show, Ray Roberts. Ray, how are you? I'm per- I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, what was that that music? Is that always my intro music? 
No, but it, it should like be it? always my intro music yeah. at all oh, times. I love it, man. It, that's like that deep head bobbing music exactly. right there, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Redbone yeah. from Childish Gambino. It's yes. a, it's a good song for quite a, a good analyst, I have to well, say. That, that's great, Tark. Uh, can you give us a review on the band now and maybe the song itself? <laughs> Coming up uh, at three. Okay. Tark, analyzing our intros. Hey, uh-huh. Ray, I'm going to get started right away. I do want to ask about Brandon Shell. Before I do that, though, we've got to talk about Damian Lewis's first ever start at center uh did he exceed your expectations because i know you were high on yeah he did well considering that you know the dude has never played center before i played a little bit of center in in high school and uh you know had a big linebacker like dave lined up over me one time and he blitzed and before i could snap the ball he tackled me and the quarterback and i was like okay that's the last time i'm doing that (laughs) but uh but damien to me uh played really well he got off to a, a slow start uh, but the thing I like about this dude is his comments, you know, about just whatever the coach wants me to do, that's what I'll do. And to me, that is just a football player. And and the more football players you can have, I think the better that you'll be. The the one thing that I would like throw caution to though is that Pete Carroll got too excited about uh, him having the ability to be a good center. And it's like, okay, well, let's just pick one spot for him, Pete, and leave him there. Like, mm-hmm. we don't need a dude that can bounce back and forth and all over the place. Either let him be an all-pro center or let him be an all-pro guard. But don't let him try to play both. Uh, and sometimes I, I get the, the fear that the Seahawks like that versatility. And then and then they have dudes moving all over the place. And I said before, I like linemen that have PhDs in their position and not just college degrees. I like that. Um how about, you know, we're going to hear about Brandon Shell. We're not sure, you know, that was pretty pretty nasty injury he had. But his play so far, I don't know if you've talked to him, Ray. He's a great dude. Really, I feel like the, the guys that can really express themselves and everything, they, they can talk about how they do their job and everything and that it helps them on the field. But um, yeah, what, what about his performance? And, and, and Have you talked to him? Have you got a chance to catch? Up? I haven't had I haven't had a chance to talk to him. I, I wish I I could because yeah. I've I've been really impressed with his play. Uh, you haven't heard his name called a lot, which is a good thing, because uh, so, right. he's not getting a bunch of penalties and and blowing assignments and and this that and the other thing. And I think the combination of him and Lewis, uh, just watching how they started the season, where they're having some issues on some of their double teams and switching off games and things like that. And as the season has gone on, they've gotten more and more efficient at it. And uh, like I said before, the thing about Shell that he brings, uh, that he may not have like this, the raw power that like a Fetty had, but he has way more consistency. And just, you know what you're going to get. He's not going to get the, the uh, pre-snap penalties. He's not going to get the holding calls. He's going to show up and be the same dude. And so I think if he has a chance to just keep gelling in that position, uh, that they have a dude that can be there for a long time. You know, I love his athleticism. I love the length that he has. Uh, I, I love the way that, you know, you can see with him and Damian Lewis, they want to be uh, the 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 two that, that that the team runs behind. So they, they're trying to finish blocks. They're trying to finish guys. They're you know, blocking down the field, getting to the second level, all those different kinds of things. Uh, and so I really I really like that about him. It, it, that has impressed me. From the film that I watched of him coming uh, before he came to Seattle, uh, I wasn't real sure exactly what they were going to get other than a guy that had had some experience. But he has kind of shown up and gotten better since he's been here. Ray, I, I've been wanting to ask you since since the game last Thursday, is this the game that you were talking about in terms of 
being able to marry the run and the pass together. You know, it's a, it's a comment that you have made with us earlier, and I was curious if this game fit that in your mind, that they were more in sync together in terms of the run and the pass, con- the connectivity of it, the, the naked game, the play-action game, all of it. Uh, was this the, the game that you that you were kind of envisioning? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, the, the marrying of it, I think the word you just used, the connectedness of it, uh, that, is a, that is even a better way to, than the Marion part of it because everything did feel connected. It felt like one thing was setting up the other thing. It didn't feel like uh, a bunch of different pieces that were trying to function as one. It just the, the game plan, uh, the execution of the game plan, the rhythm of the game plan, the connectedness of the game plan felt like one cohesive uh, um, effort. And then, on, and then uh, to me, I feel like when you have that, then in those games where you want Russell to be aggressive, you know, early in the game when you want him to pass for 400 yards, like then you have the, you have a platform to, to launch from before it, it was, there was no platform to launch from. It was just like, we're just going to, it felt like, you know, we're just going to, you know, pick these plays, you know, as they come and hopefully something works out of it. And with the magic of Russell, he can make things work. And uh, now this feels like a system that they have. They have, and so it, it, do, it doesn't matter what the defense brings. If we need to pass for 400 yards, Russell can pass for 400 yards. If you need to rush for 120, we can get 120 yards rushing. If you need to do both, you can do both. And so uh, this idea around balance, and you know this, uh, uh, Jake, is it's not a 50-50 thing. It's just more of a what you just said. It's more of a connectedness thing. Like how how is yeah. all of this stuff connected together? And it did. It absolutely felt like that uh this past week huddle is presented by bickford ford you're here with dave wyman jake keeps and stacy ross we're talking to former offensive lineman ray roberts he's also host of the seahawks pre and post game show ray uh it sounds like brandon shell could be a long shot to make it monday night uh you've talked before about how impressed you've been with his season who are we looking at to fill in for him if he can't go well i i can't say the, the kid's name I, I, I mess it up every time I try to say it. A boy he. Um, oh yeah, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> that dude. Yeah, that dude. We'll call him that dude. <laughs> Cedric. Cedric. But, uh, that, but I, I just I would just rather someone else say it than for me to fumble all over. That's what I do every time. Uh, but uh, I think I think he's had the I think he's had the reps uh, to to get in there and do it. I think he has the athleticism. Uh, you know, when he got into the game the other day, uh, he had a couple, you know, iffy plays. But I think a lot of that was just from sitting around and, and not actually playing out there with, you know, with real bullets, so to speak. And so I think if he's had the reps, you know, he's had a, you know, this is an extended kind of a bye week that they've had that he's been able to get some reps and get in there and play. I, I think that that would be uh, the best the best person to put in there. He has the athleticism. He has the length. He has some playing experience. So it's not going to be uh, like the game is new to him. He just needs to he just needs to get the reps to get in there and play. And then hopefully, you know, with this extended layoff, uh, that Shell's injury isn't going to be you know prolonged past this uh, because he and Lewis definitely had uh, you know they definitely have something going on. Big Ray, what do you like about uh, you see from Carlos Hyde? I I feel like if we can just have one or the other, and then we'll see about Rashad Penny, but. But Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson, it sure makes a difference. I mean, I, I think the offensive line has been blowing up in some, some big holes, but uh, Hyde has been a real surprise to me. I guess I thought he was just an insurance policy, but he he's really right. a, a good back. 
You know, he, he is a really good back, and uh, I was excited when they got him because the dude has been productive everywhere he's been when he's, when he's given an opportunity. Uh, you know, he's, he's rushed for over 1,000 yards before, and, and, you know, he's been like the guy before. Uh, but for whatever reason, people seem to keep finding or thinking they have someone better, so he moves off to another place. And so I'm excited that, uh, that we got him. And the one thing uh, that I like about him uh, is that his patience running the ball. So there used to be like when you're offensive lineman and you're and you have plays where you pull and you're leading the running back up in the hole. Uh, they used to always say be uh, uh, quick to the hole, but fast through the hole. And so quick and fast, they sound similar, but they're different. And so to me, Carlos runs that way. He's quick to the hole, but he's and then he's fast through it. So he has enough patience to let things develop. Uh, to to let the the blockers get to the second level or get that backside sealed off, and then he's fast through the hole. And so he's a he's a put your foot in the ground, you know, one cut type of running back, and that works uh, with this offensive line because that's how Chris Carson runs. You know, he kind of yeah. it makes one cut and he's and he's going downhill. And then the other part of it too, Dave, is that uh, to me, just getting the offensive line the reps of running the ball and getting into a rhythm running the ball. Uh, I, I said this on on uh, uh, the broadcast of the day, and, and you know maybe I'm you know exaggerating a little bit, but if, if the if the offensive line is in a rhythm, you can put a running back back there who's not a superstar type of a dude. He doesn't have to and, and be a Chris Carson to get the five yards that they've created for you. Yeah, you know that you see that all around the league. There's there's running backs that you've never heard of that can that can get you five yards. Now the difference is when you have a Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde, then they can make they can break that arm tackle, they can make that guy miss, and then that five yards becomes ten yards, or you know ten yards becomes fifteen, fifteen becomes twenty, like that kind of thing. So to me, it's just it, it was a combination of getting Carlos back or Chris Carson back, one of those two or both, and allowing the offensive line the time to kind of get themselves in the rhythm. Uh, run blocking uh, during the game. He is Ray Roberts. You can hear him on the Seahawks pre and post game show and every week on the huddle. Thanks, Ray, and happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, can I just make one more comment, yeah. uh, if you don't mind? Yeah. Uh, I heard earlier where Jake asked someone what has Carlos Dunlap's impact been on the team. And uh, it is, it's really easy to look at, well, the pass rush and the sacks and the pressures. But the one thing that I saw last week, and it showed up mostly in a press conference, is his pure enjoyment and excitement mm-hmm. of playing football. And I think that with this defense, with so many people having so much success and all of a sudden not having success, they had lost that part. And now they see that in Carlos Dunlap, and it impacts them that way. Not just what he brings physically on the field, but they see a dude that goes like, man, like I, I've never been in this situation before, and I've, I have this renewed energy. I have like, this is new life to me. This is, you know, and so now you see a guy like Bobby going like, man, like I wish that the Toils were here now so he could experience that. So that's a reminder of this is what it was like when we were balling out, and I think that that has an impact on the defense as well. That's a really, really good point, Ray. Um, all right, we appreciate you joining us. Seriously, thanks so much. Good to hear from you, too. All right, you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, try not to eat all the food. Save some leftovers. <laughs> there you go. I'm eating Thanks, all Ray. of it. All right, Trey Flowers joins us next. This is the Huddle Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2, presented by Bigford Ford. The Huddle. Welcome back into the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Keeps, and Stacey Ross. We're going to be joined in just a moment by cornerback Trey Flowers. 
who managed to hold DeAndre Hopkins, best receiver in the league, no offense to DK Metcalf, uh, to just 51 yards against the Arizona Cardinals, and he'll have his work cut out for him uh, throughout the rest of the season. But this defense with a nice chance to kind of get right, get a few takeaways against Carson Wentz and the Eagles, Jake. Carson Wentz with 14 interceptions to 14 touchdowns, uh, been hanging on to the ball a little too long, doesn't have the offensive weapons that he used to, but also just not the quarterback that he used to be. And I got to go back to, to, you know, that original. Actually joining us right now is Trey Flowers. Trey, first of all, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. So we were just talking about the Seahawks' uh, defensive performance against the Arizona Cardinals. Trey, I've got to be really honest, and I felt bad saying it about you because both you and Shaquille are such nice people in person. You really are. <laughs> but I, I felt like I had... I was losing faith in the defense over the course of the year. The talent was there, and it felt like the execution wasn't. But against DeAndre Hopkins, you held him to just 51 yards. It was maybe your best performance of the season. Was there a moment you had leading up to that game where you had a heart-to-heart with the defense? I know you guys had a meeting. What was that like? Uh, Yeah, before the game, we had an accountability meeting, and it was really just each position group going over each call and what we're relying on from each other and what you can count on me doing. And I think it it helped out a lot going into the game. Trey, what was this like? Uh, what was this? What was this week like for you personally? You know, Stacy just kind of uh, highlighted the the matchup that you were going to have of of you know being charged with covering DeAndre Hopkins for you know most of the game. I obviously weren't sure exactly where he was going to line up if they were going to move him around a lot, but you ended up being one on one with him for uh, the majority of the game. It seemed like uh, what, what was what was your thought process going into this matchup? Um. Just, I just want I just want my team to trust me. Really, uh, that was really the main thing. I talked to my strength coach from college the week of the game, and he put something on Instagram, and it was just something that I felt like he was speaking to me with. He told me to just step to my assignment with confidence and good technique. And some may think it's too big for you or whatever, but you don't do it for the naysayers anyway. And I just had that plan in my head all week, just what I was what I planned on doing, what I was going to do, and. It worked out. <laughs> now, you guys so far this year have been great about takeaways. It is one of the areas where you guys have been able to excel as a team. Uh, those haven't been as common the last couple weeks, but that's not for a lack of some a pretty solid performance against the Cardinals. If you have to pick one guy on the defense, and you can include yourself, Trey, if you have to pick one guy on the defense who is primed and ready to get this next takeaway, who has just been like inching close to one, like he's on the verge of getting one? It's definitely me. Um, I'm, I'm well overdue for one. I had one in the Cowboys game that kind of put a hole in my chest. So I'm I'm long overdue for an interception or a fumble or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trey, I, I'm very excited to see that happen potentially. One of the other things I think we're all excited, and you guys have a, a unique week this week because of Thanksgiving. You guys are actually going to get the day off tomorrow uh, to be able to celebrate the holiday. How are you going to be celebrating? Obviously, it's going to be very different and strange uh, compared to normal holidays, but uh, how are how are you going to be celebrating? Uh, I just, I got my family here. I got my daughter. I got my girlfriend. I'm just, I'm not cooking. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'll be watching <laughs> film and, and smelling all the good food and 
ready to eat and try to teach my daughter what Thanksgiving is really all about. Oh, what's the uh, what's the best Thanksgiving dish? By the way, we've been having a, a very heated debate all day. Oh, that's um. That's actually really hard. I would go. My grandma makes everything from uh, scratch. She makes her uh, dressing, her stuffing from scratch. So I I love that. Thank you. That is the best one. (laughs) Correct answer. (laughs) Trey, one of the other things that I was uh, one of the other things that I was noticing with your play uh, this last game was you know you talk about trusting your keys and your assignments, and it really seemed that way on the field, Trey. You you were very aggressive at times. you know, not bailing as hard and, and all those things. Is that was that an extra emphasis for you or is that just a level of, you know, being confident and being confident in what you're seeing? I think it goes into being a little bit of both. You know, just being confident and being aggressive. That's the type of player I wanna be, that's the type of player I am. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, just to step into it, just the main thing for me is really just putting it all together. I show flashes of myself and good coverage and good tackles and I want to just put it all together. I want to be the complete player. That's what I try to do every week. Yeah. Trey, you guys do have some new faces this year that, that we haven't really had a chance to talk to much, so hoping you can give us some insight. Uh, I'll start with DJ Reed. He made his debut in Week 8, and you've probably worked most closely with him between uh, him and some of the other guys. Uh, what's what's his past couple games been like? He looked really impressive last week, too, along with you. Oh, real great player. Real athletic Um he studies just as much as I do. We watched film the last couple of weeks together so much. So I, I knew he was prepared. I knew he was ready to go. Now, Trey, what is Carlos Dunlap like? Because we, we see him, and he seems like this kind of you know it, it, goofy personality, uh, but so energetic and excited to be a part of the organization. What, what has he been like in the locker room and for your team? Uh, what you see is what you get. I'm sure he's up right now making jokes with somebody <laughs> and laughing. And wherever he's at in the building, he's having fun. And, you know, you just try to feed off a guy like that, a vet, and try to have fun as much as you can. Yeah, is that kind of a breath of fresh air as you guys are kind of struggling as a unit and you guys are so hyper-focused on what's going on right now here in, in the moment and you get somebody on the outside who brings a different perspective. What, what has that been like for you guys? It's, it's definitely different for me. I, I would speak for myself at this point. I've never been anywhere else. <laughs> so hearing his stories when he comes in and how much he loves it and how much it's how different it is in other organizations it's it's, it's eye-opening for me and uh, you know i just i take it with a grain and try to go on with it and try to have fun with everybody else but it's definitely eye-opening for me all right trey what i loved about carlos dunlap is that he called ball game before getting that sack of kyler murray so jake and i will be holding you to the following number one you're going to be getting the next interception the next pick the next force fumble fumble recovery whatever it is it's got to be trey flowers we're holding you to that. And number yeah, two, tell us you're getting the win over the Eagles Monday night. Definitely. All right. All right. We're holding Definitely. you to it. Thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. All right. Uh, we're going to be joined by the voice of the Seahawks, play-by-play man Steve Rabel. That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now to get us ready for Monday night's game, Steve Rabel, voice of the Seahawks. Steve, how are you? Hi, guys. Good. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you except Dave. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Rabes. I would expect no other introduction. This is See? very on Thanks. brand. See, See what, this what you is have what to I was with? talking about. 
<laughs> I want you each no. to say one thing you're grateful for with each other. You guys are both working this booth. One thing I'm grateful booth. for that what? Uh, here's what I'm grateful for, that this year I've only had to see half of Rabel's face. See, that's nice. That's something to be grateful for. How Rabes, about how about you? Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful that I get to talk to you guys every week. There we go. <laughs> Love to hear it. All right. Uh, we're looking ahead at this Monday night game. Uh, Seahawks defense with a really nice opportunity here to kind of continue that performance from what you saw in the Arizona Cardinals. I want to first, before we look ahead to that game, go back to that Thursday night win. What was maybe the best thing you saw from that game? Whether it's the best individual performance, uh, the best step forward, what was the thing that you went to bed that night and thought, I'm so glad we saw that? Well, I I think one of the things that we talked about uh, the last time we, we chatted, and that was seeing everybody play their positions and and handle their responsibilities and and you know do their jobs and play together as a unit uh, when you watch them and they they did continue to blitz some but they you know I think Kenny uh, Norton Jr really they picked their spots when to blitz they they pulled back out of it several times I think that confused Kyler Murray a couple of times uh, they were able to contain him I just everything that they appeared to really want to do defensively yeah okay they gave up they gave up a couple of shots uh, you know in the middle of the field, which tends to happen sometimes, especially with a, a team like uh, Arizona that, that has such a, an excellent running quarterback, and you, if you're the middle linebacker or any of those underneath cover guys, you always have to have at least one eye on him. But still, I just thought they played so much better together and with, with a real urgency. And if we can see, can see that continue, and if I don't want to take uh, you know, uh, any of your, uh, your glory here, but if they can have that continue through this coming Monday night against the team that is really struggling offensively, it could really set the, uh, the Seahawks up for a nice stretch run. You know, Rabes, we were talking about how good has DJ Reed been? I mean, it's we've called his name so many times. I, I think he's going to break one this year. But now all of a sudden you're getting healthy in the defensive backfield, and when Quentin Dunbar comes back, especially, it's going to be crowded back there. But good problem to have, I guess, since they started out with a ton of injuries in the defensive backfield. Well, it really is a good problem to have. You can't have too many good cornerbacks. Uh, and uh, just like we've always often said, you can't have too many really good uh, pass rush defensive type ends. Um, but I think that, uh, that uh, he's playing really well. In fact, you know, Shaq is supposed to be back. Shaquille Griffin's supposed to be back this week. So do you put him in his place and then continue to have Trey on the other side, who's also picked up his game? So all of a sudden now you have, when Quentin Dunbar comes back, you'll have four guys with a lot of starting experience back there, at least for this season, and that bodes well as the season rolls on because, you know, it's the way things are going, it's impossible to believe you're going to get through the rest of this schedule without getting another couple of guys hurt. I bite my tongue when I say that. Uh, And we hope that, uh, and the Seahawks have done the best job of anybody in the league at not having COVID invade uh, the VMAX. So, you know, you hope that everybody gets healthy and stays healthy, but chances are, you, you know, you're going to lose a guy or two to, to an injury, even if it's just a week or so. So having that experience is really helpful. Rabes, uh, one of the guys who have who has always been kind of an unsung hero of this defense and continues to be is K.J. Wright. 
I mean, here he is at age 30. He's t- 10 years in the league. It was always a goal of his uh, is to, to play 10 years in the NFL, and that's a very difficult uh, goal for anybody. Uh, but he is able, he's been able to accomplish that and still play at a high level. How good has he been this year? Well, I, I think he looks as good or better than the last couple of years, frankly. Um, and that's no knock on how he played because he played really well. But I just think he, he's, you know, what, what he does is he takes like Bobby does. They take on the responsibility of being those leaders. You know, he's the longest tenured guy on that defense. Uh, I think the longest tenured guy on the team, actually, going back to, what, 2011. And so he is, he is the kind of guy that you want as that leader. Uh, but he makes sure that guys, you know, play the positions. Dave, I remember during the game, there was a, there was a moment where I think, uh, I think it was a read keep option and Murray goes out to the left side and, and, uh, KJ played it absolutely perfectly, turned everything back inside and then made the tackle. And I, I saw you just get tickled about it because that's exactly what you want that guy to do. And he knew exactly what to do you know what i would have done raves in that situation i would have closed my eyes and guessed <laughs> i was gonna say you'd have fallen down and called for help yeah but 50 50 chance there but no i mean yeah i got really excited about that is there anybody more dangerous in the open field right now no i mean he's like no. the a modern day barry sanders i think yeah or michael is. vick remember the day yeah. the days of michael vick uh, how difficult he was to defend against, and now now you have that in Kyler Murray. But uh, you know, I think I think they've after a couple of games, the Seahawks kind of figured things out a little bit against those guys. And now you got a guy coming up in Philadelphia in Carson Wentz, who's not that kind of scrambler. But listen, the guy can run. He scored five touchdowns on the ground this year running the football. He's he scored more rushing touchdowns than anybody on that team. So you can't take him lightly, even though he's thrown fourteen picks on the year. Now, Rabes, you're the voice of the Seahawks. You've got to be watching everyone, obviously, because you're calling this game. But who are you keeping your eye on when it comes to that strength you were just talking about for Carson Wentz? Who needs to have a great day for Seattle? Wow. Well, you know, I, uh, uh, Carlos Dunlop has, has been quite the addition to this defense, uh, mostly because, and, and I don't take credit for thinking up thinking of this, but uh, I think you know Pete talked about it. I, I've read uh, a, a number of articles here in the last few days about what he has meant to the defense in opening things up for other guys, and that that you know you can't discount that. That's a big deal. So against a guy back there who's who's you know a big strong guy, but doesn't have those quick feet like Kyler Murray to get out of trouble, uh, he's more like a, a Jared Goff. And if you can, you, you know, you can contain him inside with those defensive ends. L.J. Collier's played well on defense, but you know, I think it always too on defense. Uh, it's going to come down to Bobby in the middle, making sure everybody gets to where they need to be, and Jamal Adams. I, I think this is going to be interesting because Wentz likes to throw to his tight ends. His three tight ends combined have 68 receptions. So he likes to get that ball to those guys. He's not as good throwing it downfield. I think it's going to put pressure on guys like Jamal Adams and on uh, Quandre Diggs and on Bobby and KJ. Those crossing routes, those short turn-in routes, those routes that quarterbacks like to go to when the pressure's on them to get rid of the football. And so I think you know that whole middle of the Seahawks defense is really going to have to be on guard this week. 
He is Seahawks play-by-play man Steve Rabel. You can hear him, obviously, for every single game and some of his calls the following week. When we play those highlights, I'm hoping we have quite a few from this game. Rabes, I am going to put you on the spot and make you give us uh, some kind of prediction. Maybe it doesn't have to be a score, but I'd love a score if you have one. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I'm, and I'm terrible in the prediction business. Oh, I am, ask, too. When you can ask Dave, <laughs> uh, I, I literally am the worst. But, uh, you know, I... All I'll say, and I always say, I always couch it this way, if they play up to their capabilities, if the Seahawks play the way they have been trending in the last few weeks, and that is not only playing really good defense, but getting Chris Carson back, running the football, I think this is a game the Seahawks should go back to Philadelphia on Monday night. They've got great record under the bright lights of Monday night. They should very well go back there and win that game. I don't know that it'll be a runaway, but I think they should win that game uh, without it coming down to the last play. You know, what? Right. it's going to be 17-9 to again. Don't is it really? That, yeah, because remember it did. That. It was the regular uh, yeah. season, 17-9. last year. Yeah. Yeah. They also got like seven or five sacks in that game. Some ridiculous number. Seven, yeah, think, and then yeah. let's look forward to more of those. And, again, I'd love to see Chris Carson carry the ball 15, 18 times, pick up about 85 yards along yeah. with Carlos Hyde. That's the way you control the football and you keep that uh, Eagles offense off the field. All right. He is Steve Rabel. You can hear him every single week joining us on the huddle. Thanks, Rabes. Thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, head coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson, spoke with reporters earlier today. Hear what he had to say about Carson Wentz, D.K. Metcalf, and Russell Wilson. That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, Huddle. presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Getting fired up. Good music choice here, Tarek. I like that one. Hey, Rocky was filmed in Philly, and guess who exactly. the Seahawks are playing That's on exactly Sunday? Right. That's exactly right. On Monday. On, on Monday. Monday. I would have never made that connection. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're going to uh, take ourselves to Philly with some sound from head coach Doug Peterson. I'm going to get started uh, skipping ahead a bit. Cut number six. He was asked about Carson Wentz's play this season. Before you go to hear... Uh, Tarek. Carson Wentz has obviously struggled. Uh, he is playing unlike himself. He's got uh, career highs and in interceptions. He's also been sacked a career high 40 times. And keep in mind, we've still got a month plus to play. Uh, so Ruben uh, Frank of NBC Philadelphia joined us saying he's on track to break records with that. It has not been a strong season. This is Peterson. Obviously, um, you know, it's not it's not what he wanted or probably what we want right now uh, with, with where he's at. And we're continuing to, to work through, uh, you know, s- some issues on offense. We've, we've had a lot of injury up front with the offensive line. And, you know, some, some young players on the on the perimeter that we're, we're working through who are improving each week. And, you know, it's just something that um, a work in progress, you know, and, and, uh, and, and we continue to, to work with, with Carson to, to, you know, get not only him fixed, but get uh, get the offense fixed. Jake and Dave, they put themselves in a weird kind of spot by drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. And now, rather than having someone who could just be any old backup that isn't going to create a controversy, if you switch and make a quarterback switch, all of a sudden people are wondering if you're looking ahead, but they're married to Carson with his contract for at least, I would guess, through next year. You've just got way too much dead salary cap. So, Jake, I know that there's a quarterback controversy brewing and has been brewing for a while in Philadelphia. Do you think they should stick with Wentz? Yes. Yes, they should stick with Wentz. Um, I I think for everything that is going on right now, they have to stick with Wentz. Uh, Do I think Jalen Hurts is the long-term answer potentially? Yeah, I do. But if you're Doug Peterson and you're going to go out 
potentially after this season. How are you going to go out? Are you going to do it with somebody that you know and trust, or are you going to try and you know grasp at straws, which is essentially what I think this move would make if you're not overly confident that Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy that you need uh, to, to make your team better. And to me, that's where I think Car- uh, Doug Peterson is in. He's not in a situation where he's watching Jalen Hurts and saying, we plug this this kid is special and in when i watch him in practice this kid is you know it, it, obviously we are holding him back because we have a starter that we have committed to if i don't feel that way if i don't have that conviction uh if i'm Doug Peterson then i'm going to continue to roll out there with Carson Wentz and unfortunately i do think that Wentz is not playing great football he's making poor decisions um, but I also think that he is again in a position where he is devoid of he is there is a massive hole in talent uh, surrounding him and it just seems like musical chairs at the offensive line uh, positions uh, this season for the Eagles and and that is one thing that has plagued them over the last couple seasons. Yeah, I, it's weird that Peterson said it's a work in progress. I'm like it's getting late. I mean, he played 10 yes. games now, uh, and 40 sacks, by the way, at 37 all of last year. So, I mean, you know, it just seems like he's beat up. He does not look confidence, confident. I was watching the Red Zone channel, and just as soon as I turned it on, it was, I think, the interception that he threw in Cleveland that went for a pick six. And you could just see the look on his face. I mean, he just he's not confident. He doesn't have uh, – you're right – Jake, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of talent. Miles Sanders, I believe, is a second-round draft choice out of Penn State running back. But other than that, he doesn't have a lot of uh, talent. I think Dallas Goddard might be maybe the next highest-drafted guy. Zach Ertz not playing right now. So, Correct, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, that he just he doesn't have a lot of weapons. It was the same thing last year when we got there. I mean, shoot, they had to move a uh, right tackle. guys. Too. Yeah, with that practice got Greg Ward, who is one of their leading receivers. He's a mm-hmm. quarterback, you know. So I mean, and and then you know the other guy, um, the little tiny guy whose name eludes me, uh, Scott, uh, Bart Scott. Bart yeah. Scott. He was the guy that was like on the practice squad in New Orleans. They cut or him. Boston Scott. Sorry, Boston. Yeah, Scott. Bo- yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston. Yep. Yeah, and five foot six, and just an awesome player. But I mean, he's like one of your best players right now. So. You know that there there is a lack of talent around around him, and then you know this Travis Fulgham Fulgham guy from leading Old receiver. Dominion. Yeah, he's a leading receiver in the last two weeks. He's had twelve targets and two catches. So yeah, all of a sudden it, the whole thing is breaking down. So it looks pretty bad there in Philly. When you think about who's going to win that uh, that division, it, Philly does not look. I think Clayton thinks it's Dallas that's going to come through and win that, but. Maybe it's the Giants. That's that's who I like. I mean, speaking of the NFC East, cut number eight. Here's Peterson talking about this division. We're still in the hunt in the NFC East, and and uh, you know, sitting as crazy it is, you're sitting on top with, with three wins. But you know, it's it's going to come down to these last uh, last six games for for uh, you know someone in the NFC East to, to win it. And you know, I keep I keep just focused on one week at a time, you know, one day at a time. You know, getting better today and getting out to getting out to practice later on, and and uh, you know, trying to improve. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys. Because of the way the schedule is set up, uh, whoever wins this Thanksgiving matchup between Washington and Dallas will at least temporarily, until uh, Philadelphia plays Monday night, take the lead in the NFC East. All right, that's yeah. correct. Yes. Yep. And so, who do you like, Jake? I like 
I like Daniel Jones, and I, I like I like the Giants. I, I'm to me, I, I feel like you know we'll, we'll see who wins that division. But yeah, it's going to be uh, you know kind of a I don't know if this is going to reveal much about this team, the Seahawks, the next what four weeks. That, that's why that Arizona victory and and a lot of people I heard somebody saying, well, it was you know twenty seven twenty one. It still had to come down to or twenty eight twenty one, and it still had to come down to the last drive, but. That was a team that was putting up 425 yards mm-hmm. and a really good offensive team, and the fact that they were able to do that. Cause, but that was really important because I don't think anybody's going to feel super secure after these next four. Not if, until the L.A. Again, if they win. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're still going to want to see more. And I, it kind of goes against what I always say that like what makes a team dangerous is that they're in the NFL. Because every NFL team is dangerous and can beat you, but you know, right now these guys are not playing well. And you know, if you beat the Jets twenty-one to twenty, people might start to freak out over that right. a little bit. Now, that doesn't mean that this upcoming Monday night game isn't important. So, Jake and Dave, I want you to get your guys' blueprints ready for how you beat Philly. I will tell you mine. Step number one: score more points. End. <laughs> Hopefully you guys have better ones. We'll get back to it next in the huddle. This is the huddle Huddle. presented by Bickford Ford every Thursday from noon to two on 710 ESPN Seattle. All right, welcome back to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross. Wrapping this one up ahead of your Thanksgiving weekend, getting you guys ready for a Monday night primetime game between the Seahawks and the struggling Philadelphia Eagles. They've still got some weapons, but uh, I think there should be uh, more often than not an opportunity here for the Seahawks to not just beat the Philadelphia Eagles, but to feel pretty good about your defense heading into that game. So I asked you, Dave, and you, Jake, to come up with the blueprint to beating the Philadelphia Eagles. My answer is just to uh, this kind of make Carson Wentz struggle early, sack him one or two times early in the game. He's been sacked 40 times this year. I think that he clearly struggles under pressure this year. So early enough in the game, get one or two sacks in there, and I think that that is enough to kind of fluster him. You're basically saying what I said, and then I know. You, you chastised me No, but me Dave, for you said... I said concuss Carson Wentz. <laughs> and I said, it's the same thing you're talking about. What Dave, do you mean? you can't say that. <laughs> All right. Well, it happened last year. Hey, look, I played my best game on a concussion. As a matter of fact, before my show starts, uh, and I'm going to do my third of six hours, I'm going to concuss myself. I'm going to go into the bathroom. I'll do it in the bathroom. I don't see what the problem is. So Dave says hit Carson Wentz early. Make football violent again. Make Carson Wentz worried again. I don't don't see what the problem is. I mean... Come on. Yeah, I, spoken like a spoken like a true linebacker. All right. Seriously. Okay. Okay. I so it, Dave. Fine. I respect it. I'll do the same thing as you, then, okay. Stacy. I just the look. I think with the coverage and the way they're playing now, they have Trey Flowers get more confident. You know, and that was the game last year where I think he started to lose his confidence late in the season and in the playoffs. Now he's confident. So I that to me is. These this isn't a great stable of receivers. Yeah. Again, this guy uh, Fulgham, Travis Fulgham. I mean, he he started off on fire, but man, his last two games, 
He's, you know, 12 targets, two catches for 16 yards. So, you know, that that's one of their leading receivers right there. So he just doesn't have a lot of talent around him. So if you get to Carson Wentz, and I was trying to think who who told us this, uh, but I, I guess on one of the plays, oh, I know, it was Michael Bradley, Alombre. He was talking about how on one of the interceptions that he threw the pick six, that some uh, it was yeah, Dallas Goddard, I think, the tight end, was just wide open. And he didn't see him. So, but that's the thing, you know. Jake, you know this better than anybody. I mean, if somebody just because somebody's wide open doesn't mean you're necessarily going to see him. Sometimes there's a tackle in your way, or sometimes there's something flashing and you just don't see him. But you know, he just doesn't have a lot of confidence right now, and I don't blame him because he doesn't have great receivers. Yeah, that that is that is absolutely true, and and you just see him right now, and I just think that he's struggling. He's swimming right now uh, with everything that's going on. I mean, you see that uh, microcosm of you know Russell going through that a little bit in this last month. The um, Carson Wentz is ten times what Russell went through in that month in terms of you know devoid of talent, uh, uh, being in a situation where it's all on him, uh, and, and you know Carson really not handling that very well at all. And, and to your guys' point, this is interesting. The you know, Seahawks PR tweeted out since week eight. The Seattle Seahawks are second in the NFL in sacks. They've generated 16 sacks since week eight. That's a huge turnaround in pressure. And if they can continue to stay on that trend... Uh, with with the Eagles, I, I do think that that will be the the biggest key to the game. If Carson Wentz is struggling and mentally he is having a hard time, well, don't make it any easier on him. Continue to make this uh, a, a nightmare of a situation for him. But to me, guys, my key to the game, since you guys have been talking about uh, uh, defense, I'm going to flip over to the offensive side, and it's and it is starting fast it's not when i say start fast it's not just one drive it's not the opening drive of the game that i'm talking about um They've had drives where they've opened up and scored early, and the game still finished uh, relatively close at the end. What I mean by start fast is I think that if they start fast through the entire first quarter and they're able to get up to an early two-score game, I think the game's over. Very simply put. There might be some ebb and flow that happens within that game, but if they get up two scores within the first quarter, game over, done deal, they will be in a prime position to be able to ride that that ten, that two-score uh, deficit uh, that the Eagles will have. They're just not a team that ha- – the Eagles are not a team that have the ability right now to come back um, and compete with a team like the Seahawks at this stage. And so to me, that's, that's going to be the key to the game. How important is it you think they get the running game going? Because I'm looking at Philly. Their defense is like, I think, 24th, 25th. They're giving up like 135, 140 yards a game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with with Hyde, Carson, I, I saw a quote this week where Pete was just so fired up about Chris Carson. He's like, oh, I wish you guys could see him. He looks great. He's crushing it. He's all of these adjectives that, you know, that Pete uses. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, if that's... If that's the case, I mean, I think that's really important because then, you know, you don't have to take a lot of risk. You don't have to throw a ton. And, you know, this is not a great run defense right now. 
It, it, it is not a great run defense, but Dave, you'll really appreciate how they play, though. Uh, Jim Schwartz keeps everything really simple. It's cover yes. one, it's cover three. They play downhill, they play hard, and they will play hard I, in the first half. When I watch these guys on film defensively, they get worn down in the second half of games. Um, and this is they are they are hurting at the linebacker level right now. Uh, they've got a lot of injuries there, um, but uh, they play hard. And the Seahawks are going to have the Seahawks offense in particular are going to have to earn it. And for the ground game to bust out the way that it has versus the Eagles, it's going to take patience. Uh, it's going to take a commitment to uh, and willingness to run the ball. And and quite honestly, you know, we had Ruben uh, come on with us uh, from from earlier in the huddle talk about uh, you know some uh, Ruben Frank come on and talk with us about this Eagles defense I agree with him they have not been tested in the secondary yet I don't think they're sixth in passing defense because they're actually sixth in passing defense I think it's just the the teams that they have played so I I still think this is going to be a balanced attack led by the passing offense and Russell Wilson DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett but you're going to have that really nice balance of of Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde coming downhill uh, at this Philadelphia Eagle defense. You know, they're getting uh, Ethan Posick back at center, like you said, Dave, getting Chris Carson back. So you've got some pieces returning. You're right, Jake, though. We really haven't talked much about this offense. I wanted to ask the two of you specifically about that tight end position. You're going to be without Greg Olson now for at least four to six weeks. Pete Carroll hoping that he can come back on the early end of that, but it doesn't sound like he'll be back in the regular season. So we aren't sure whether or how soon we're going to see Colby Park but how important does it become then for a guy like Will Disley and Jacob Hollister? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, first of all, Colby Parkinson, Parkinson yesterday, Pete Carroll said, we're going to make him play. That was his quote. We're going to make him play. We're going to make him play. Yeah. So, and I don't know if he meant to say that, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what that guy brings. You know, he's not, he didn't have these huge numbers or anything at, at Stanford, but, you know, he's much more, he's a very slender guy. I mean, I don't think you're putting him out there to block anybody. But uh, it seems like Hollister's starting to kind of heat up a little bit with Russ. And with the, the play action, you know, with your tight ends, and that's where part of the, getting the running game going, you know, I I felt like Disley was going to have a really big year coming into this. And maybe it was too not fair to expect that from him because no, he's too. coming off his second, you know, injury, major injury. But it's not, yeah. though, it's not like... Well, maybe he's not getting open, but they're not targeting him that much. So I, I felt like it, it should be... A, a bigger part of it, but maybe that will go hand in hand with them getting the the running game going again, Jake. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, that will be a, a key factor, and it's a point of emphasis for Pete Carroll. Um, and and the one thing that I think has been beautiful about the way that this off this offense has functioned this year is they have been able to remain one step ahead. I think everything is centered through Russell Wilson, but Russell has been great, much like Peyton Manning uh, in his day, to be able to look at the defense, and if it's a pass, I'm going to get to the run because that is the call that is is going to get us the best uh, output in this situation, not playing selfish football. And that's why I saw versus the Arizona Cardinals, and I think you're going to see that same exact thing against the Eagles. And you're right, Dave. It does help you uh, in terms of that play-action game. It helps you with getting those tight ends down the seam. Um, and, and I do believe that you will see you know, Disley and Hollister. And, and, and I'm just as curious as Colby Parkinson because I've, I've heard 
that Colby Parkinson has done well, that he has looked good so far. Um, so don't be surprised if you see Colby Parkinson contribute. Maybe not with a ton of catches, but don't be surprised if, if he does, you know, uh, uh, you know, have a surprise, you know, catch or two uh, in this week's game. Dave, I'm sure you'd like to see a former Stanford guy yeah. get involved a little bit. Happy it, to see that. Absolutely. <laughs> I like he confirmed last week when we talked to him because I heard the, the replay of the huddle on Saturday as I was driving to Home Depot. Uh, and um, yeah, and uh, he that he also experienced that, you know, because he went to Stanford, everybody's asking him. And then if you don't know the answer to the question, like, oh, you went to Stanford. I'm like, yeah, well, they didn't have that class there. Okay. You know, I, I'm not a tax at- attorney. All right, so, but, okay, but yeah, I, I can't okay. wait to see uh, you know what what he's about because you know, like I said, I don't think he's much of a blocker, and that's fine. You know, but he's a tall dude that you know has has a talent that I think uh, that'll be interesting to see him get out there if he can go out and play well. For me, anytime a rookie does anything, but you know, this will be I, I think. The second-to-last guy, I think he's played in a game, but this is the second-to-last guy, rookie, that has not been on the field. So, in other words, mm. here's what I'm trying to say, Stacy, <laughs> is that everybody from the draft has been on the field except for Colby Parkinson and Daryl Taylor. Yes. And I think we're going to see Daryl Taylor later, but that's pretty unusual. And coming into this season, knowing that they weren't going to have practice in preseason, it's hard for rookies to get any experience and get on the field. The fact that they have used all of their rookies this year, that's just good coaching and it's good selection by John Schneider and his staff of getting guys that are just game-ready coming in here. All right, this has been the Huddle with Jay Keeps, Dave Wyman, and Stacey Ross. We're wishing you guys a happy Thanksgiving, uh, getting everyone ready for the Seahawks' Monday night game against the Eagles. Uh, let's hope for a win. I think we're all going to be excited to see one. All right, uh, stay tuned because Dave Wyman is going to be coming up next on 710 ESPN Seattle. This has been The Huddle.